This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Olivier Knox is with us, Chief Washington Correspondent for Yahoo News. He also co-hosts Top Line, a Yahoo News ABC News original program. He's covered some of the world's biggest news stories over his nearly 16 years as a reporter with Agence France Press. He started with Bill Clinton's impeachment and went through to Al Gore's presidential campaign. More than a pleasure to have one of our favorite guests and somebody I like very much personally and professionally back on the program. A lot of respect for. Does a great job. Welcome back, Olivier Knox. Olivier, good afternoon. Happy Thursday. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me, Leslie. Um, You had written that based on the most recent debate, not the presidential debate, but the vice presidential debate, that the U.S. will plunge deeper in Syria no matter who wins. Tell us about this. Well, that's right. That is, of course, caveated with if you take the vice presidential candidates um, at their word, the um, no matter who wins in November, we're going to get more involved in the conflict in Syria. And that's because both Mike Pence, the governor of Indiana, running as Donald Trump's running mate, and Senator Tim Kaine, running as Hillary Clinton's right-hand man, um, are talking about establishing safe zones or humanitarian zones or no-fly zones um, in Syria to help protect the civilian population there. And the thing is that no matter how you slice and dice it, and those those things don't have exactly identical definitions, but for the purposes of our conversation, let's just say no-fly zones, um, those require a fair amount of um, military investment. They require uh, aircraft and ground forces to keep those areas safe. And so really, no matter no matter who wins in November, again, taking these two people at their word, it looks like the United States and its allies are going to get more involved in Syria. Okay, so that people understand um, what did, for those that didn't watch or for those that, you know, weren't remembering what was said regarding Syria, what did Pence say and, and what did Kane say? And even more so, what are Trump and Hillary saying, uh, Clinton saying? And the reason I ask that is because, as you know, Pence didn't always uh, align himself with his opinions and his positions 100 percent with Donald Trump. Right. So the, the, the Pence thing is really interesting because actually he... Um, uh, he actually took a step deeper into the Syrian conflict and a step away from Donald Trump in the process. He said it's time for the United States, if Russia's not serious about negotiating some kind of ceasefire to, to, to spare the citizens of the um, city of Aleppo, uh, it's time for the United States to consider striking targets that belong to the regime of Syrian uh, President Bashar al-Assad. Now, in the past, Donald Trump has, has played that down, has rejected that, actually, has said, you know, it, we have to focus on the Islamic State, you know, uh, uh, we have to get Russia on our side as we fight the Islamic State. He hasn't said that, and so Pence's remarks were definitely news. Um, in terms of Hillary Clinton, she's mostly in line with what Tim Kaine said about the creation of, you know, of, of, uh, of humanitarian zones in parts of Syria, so there was less of a contrast there. So when we look at what is happening right now, what we also hear from uh, Pence and from Trump are a lot of blame toward Clinton when she was Secretary of State and uh, what has happened in, in Syria. Olivier, from your professional perspective, doesn't the blame lie on what happened in Syria with Assad and not with the United States? 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, this is a, we're talking about now a very complicated years-long process of, of a years-long conflict. Um, what Trump and Pence are saying is, is um, let me try to boil this down accurately, they are, they are blaming the Obama administration and uh, Hillary Clinton as its lead diplomat for four years for allowing the Islamic State to, um, to rise. Um, now, it's a little bit complicated because, sure, obviously, when Assad drops a barrel bomb on civilians in Aleppo, that's his fault. The Trump-Pence argument goes something like this. Barack Obama pulled out of Iraq, um, did not leave a residual force. Um, that meant that the, uh, the Iraqi military, um, over a, a period of several years, got weaker, got less organized. Um, the people who were trained by America were purged by the prime minister there. And so when the Islamic State rose, the, um, the Isra- Iraqi security forces melted away, and this is what made possible um, ISIS. Um, so it's, it's a little bit complicated. Um, I, placing blame on something like this is a little bit difficult. Uh, I think I've, I've talked to a lot of national security people who say that um, that the biggest surprise was the degree to which uh, the Iraqi prime minister purged the Iraqi security forces. So that while U.S. intelligence said, hey, there's this thing called, called ISIS, this former al-Qaeda in Iraq, this thing is, is coming up again. Um, they failed to predict that the Iraqi security forces would just melt away. So, again, this is an extremely complicated, a lot of moving parts over a lot of years. Um, we're going to have to take a break because we have like a minute left, and it's not fair for you to answer in such a short period of time, <laughs> Olivier. And also, you know, I'm long-winded with my questions. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how the U.S. will plunge deeper in Syria no matter who wins. And I think it's important that you hear about this because these are facts, and sometimes politicians don't want you to hear that, and sometimes all you remember is a soundbite. And uh, this definitely is something you should think about and consider when you make your choice and cast your vote on November 8th. We'll be back with Olivier Knox, Chief Washington Correspondent for Yahoo News, right after this. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. on car insurance at geico.com hey there this is leslie marshall and this is the only true democracy in talk radio of for and by you the people we were talking before the break with olivier knox knox excuse me olivier knox chief washington correspondent for yahoo news he said based on the vp debate the u.s will plunge deeper into syria no matter who wins thank you for holding and welcome back olivier now for somebody who's just tuned in they might say then what difference does it make what difference does it make who they vote for if we're going to plunge into uh, syria deeper no matter who wins i'm assuming you would say well the plans on how and what uh we do to plunge deeper uh you know would differ differentiate between the two candidates and the two campaigns. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, the, the, just because they're both talking about safe zones, humanitarian zones, no-fly zones, doesn't mean that they'd approach this the same way. Um, I've tried to get confirmation from the Trump campaign that this is, in fact, where Donald Trump stands. Haven't been able to do that. Uh, neither have any other reporters, as far as I can tell. So this could be this could be Mike Pence um, freelancing, frankly. Um, I think I felt it was uh, him laying the groundwork for a 2020 run because he did pull away uh, from Trump, and it seemed like he was about himself uh, more than he was about Trump. I know Trump was hard to defend, but I, I thought he kind of failed 
you know, for the most part, defending Trump and definitely separated himself with a bit, the Muslim ban, with Putin, with Russia and some other areas. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard I've heard that argument, although I just don't think that um, that uh, vice presidential debate is a great stepping stone to a presidential run four years later. Um, uh, but. Uh, you know, he's been trying to make, make Donald Trump's campaign more palatable to more traditional conservatives. Um, and in some ways, that means taking a harder line and a different line on Syria than, than Donald Trump has and that the Obama administration has as well. So yeah, I, I, I can see the argument. The, the challenge in November, one of the challenges that for me as a reporter is Donald Trump's plans change constantly. So it's very hard for me to lay them out and tell voters, look, here's what you're voting for. You know, we've had... Uh, at one point, he wanted to send twenty to 30,000 ground troops uh, into, into Iraq and Syria, and then that went away. And then it was a secret plan, and then it was knowing more than the generals, and then it was, well, actually, I'm going to ask, the, when I get into office, I'll ask the generals to write, to write, draft me a plan. All of this makes it extremely difficult as a reporter to assess what he would or, or what he might do. When we look at what is going forward, you know, with Syria, do you think that regardless of who a candidate is, it is unavoidable because of what has happened? And I'd also like you to speak, Olivier, to uh, Russia's involvement under the direction of, of Vladimir Putin. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not trying to show what you mean. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think that when you look at the situation in, it, that Syria can't be ignored, regard, even if oh, Joe yeah, Stein yeah, were yeah. in office, somebody is going to have to do something about Syria uh, because you do have a, a, a caliphate, if you will, there with ISIS. Um, you do have rebels that we're you know, backing, uh, yet you have Assad still attacking his people. You have a civil war within that country, and people are still fleeing because of right. the violence right. and oppression from both ISIS and Assad. You know, anybody who becomes president in this country, regardless of their party, their ideology, or even in a sense what they even want to do or hope to do in Syria, uh, even if they want to ignore it, if they want to be an isolationist, in a sense they can't. They're pulled into this. And I think adding to that is Vladimir Putin and Russia's involvement alongside Iran. That, that's right. I mean, basically, whoever steps into the Oval Office on January 20th is going to is going to inherit a bunch of different um, problems. With they're they're all sort of geolocated roughly in the Iraq and Syria area. They're going to they're going to inherit a lot of American allies that um, that that are suffering the strains from the Syria conflict. Whether it's Jordan, uh, I think the second largest city in Jordan is now the Zatari uh, refugee camp. You know, places like Lebanon, places like Turkey. Um, they're going to inherit an ongoing military campaign against the Islamic State. It's it's unimaginable that either of these candidates would just you know throw a switch and call that off. Um, and then they're going to inherit the the, the third uh, sphere, which is the the Syrian civil war itself, the the Assad campaign against uh, against the civilian population, at least those people who who oppose him. Um, it's it's it, the military campaign against ISIS is unima- it's unimaginable that uh, an American uh, president would step away from that. The strains on allies, I think, likewise. Otherwise, you're setting the stage for even more regional uh, instability. The one X factor here, I think, is I'm not sure what happens in terms of um, helping civilians in Syria. Uh, the Obama administration has declared that Assad's not uh, cannot legitimately stay in power. Um, but right now they've made their peace essentially with him staying there. Um, whoever comes in is going to have to deal with that and deal with the involvement of Russia and Iran there. What do you think the uh, American people need to know 
about the situation and about each camp's ideas uh, or, you know, that I, because, you know, when I, when I talk to people out there, and I'm sure you do too, Olivia, everybody's concerned about the economy. They're concerned about jobs. They're concerned about foreign policy. They're concerned about terrorism. They're, they're concerned about uh, security here at home. And with Syria, they always just seem to talk about ISIS or the refugees. But that's not all there is to the situation and problem in Syria. No, that's not all there is, but I can understand why they'd focus on those two things, because those are the two things that sort of threaten most closely to come to American shores. And so I, I, I completely understand why that's, that's the case. What I would say is that um, one of the biggest challenges is making sure that America's allies in the, regions, in the region stay roughly stable. So a place like Jordan has been a source of enormous concern for the administration and for people in Congress. Um, that's why there is a, a significant uh, amount of special American foreign aid going to Jordan to help them absorb those refugees. Um, the refugee crisis, the one that's, that's destabilizing Europe, the one um, that, that uh, Americans associate with um, uh, uh, the, the potential spread uh, of extremist violence, um, that's, a, that's a huge deal as well. Um, I, it, I've, I've found it very interesting. It, at this point, I'm hearing more and more Americans say that the United States needs to do more to help civilians in Syria. Now, part of that might be because of coverage that is finally sort of pierced through um, the, the sort of traditional American uh, resistance to foreign policy issues like this. But like the, the, the photographs of that uh, Syrian boy covered in blood and dust in, a, in an ambulance, footage like that it seems to be piercing a bit more through. So you see new polls that show a slight majority of Americans favoring more ground troops to, to take on to take on ISIS. You see you hear Pence talk about military strikes against government forces. There I don't I haven't seen any polls on that. Um, but I don't I, I I I understand why Americans would think that the most important parts of this are um, ISIS, which poses a, a threat to to Americans. And refugees, which uh, you know that crisis has really helped to, uh, to to destabilize parts of Europe. And with regard to, uh, let, I want to take some calls before we continue on. Uh, let's go next to Max in North Carolina, line two. He's listening to us uh, online via our stream. Max, good afternoon. Question or comment for our guest, Olivier Knox? Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, yes, I have a question and a comment. Okay, you know, like I remember back when. Uh, uh, Ambassador Ford was cheering these people on to uh, protest in Syria, which then the government are, they're blaming, each one of them are blaming each other for starting the violence from the peaceful protest. We don't know who started it, but we do know is that, yes, we care about Syrians. And, and me personally, I wish we would have a draft and we could go. There's 23,000 of the people from ISIS. That's nothing, okay? We, we have over here in Charlotte some uh, black young men got killed, and, boy, did we have a whole bunch of police from all over the place controlling the black people from breaking, breaking windows. You know, and, uh, but, you know, the thing is is that we don't have the troops or the people or the draft to go there and stop those violence, like right now? Yes, we do. But you know what? The United States wants to keep stuff like this going because it, it, it feeds the industrial complex. We don't hear people uh, crying about, right now, the Israelis captured some Americans trying to get into Gaza, 
The Israelis and the Americans want Gaza's oil field that's right in front, in, underneath that water. They want that. And, and, and when, when the, the Israelis kill Palestinians, we don't say nothing. Olivia? Um, you know, the, the idea that, that the United States is keeping the uh, Syrian civil war going to satisfy the military-industrial complex, look, I, uh, um, should, should Americans be concerned about, or at least be, be skeptical of, uh, uh, you know, increases in military spending and American involvement overseas and the rest of it, sure, but I don't think that's what's happening in Syria. Um, in terms of what, who started it, you know, um, I don't know how productive that is right now. What we know right now is that Assad's forces are uh, systematically, and with Russian support, um, uh, massacring civilians, targeting hospitals with bunker buster bombs designed for hardened military targets and the rest of it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to express a little bit of skepticism there with, uh, with regard to our caller's point. Uh, to another caller, uh, this caller is in Virginia, line three, Ishmael. He's listening on iHeartRadio. Ishmael, question or comment for Olivier? Yes, I have both, actually. Uh, comment is, my comment is that yeah, I just thought we, we learned a lesson from Iraq that democracy is not really for the Middle East. Uh, did you think it's wise to find a strong ally, you know, i.e., in whatever country it is, to try to more uh, uh, have someone in charge of a country versus having multiple different groups, you know? I just thought Syria is, was heading toward that direction, and I think the right thing to do is find one person, one leader, work with them versus, you know, having four or five different groups in one country. Olivier? Well, you know, that's interesting. The, the, the skepticism of the, the sort of democracy promotion project, I also think, is, is, a, is a valid skepticism. Um, you know, the idea that we can remake some countries in our own image or in roughly our own image. In terms of, and, and we've seen problems in places like Libya as well, where um, you know, the United States gets involved and helps, uh, helps to overthrow the, the strongman there, Muammar Gaddafi. And then the post-war planning kind of fails, which was a, a dramatic echo of the of the failure to plan for the post uh, post Saddam Iraq. I think what people in the Obama administration and the Bush administration before it would say, though, is that the assumption that the Middle East is somehow um, either religiously or racially or in some other way incapable of democracy is 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 a um, is not a healthy view. Um, and, uh, and and so I I I don't. We, the United States, need to uh, be skeptical of our own ability to transform these societies for sure, but I don't know that they're incapable of becoming democracies. I, I want to also talk about these uh, safe zones because you talk about those, and this is something that both uh, Senator Tim Kaine and Governor Mike Pence uh, agreed upon in their face-off on Tuesday in the need to carve out, uh, Republicans call it a safe zone, Democrats are calling it humanitarian zones in Syria. Uh, this is, as you wrote, a purpose to protect civilians from the escalating conflict. Uh, they think that has killed at least 400,000 people. Millions have been driven uh, from their homes, and certainly it's fueled a refugee crisis in the region in Europe. It's also uh, led to many uh, deadly attacks by ISIS-inspired lone wolves in Europe and the United States. Is it possible to have, whether you call it a safe zone or a humanitarian zone, uh, Olivia, in your expert opinion, when these guys can't have a ceasefire for 45 minutes? Well, this is an interesting question because ISIS doesn't have an air force. So a no-fly zone, a safe zone, which you can't call it a safe zone if it's not protected from aerial assault, uh, a no-fly zone, a safe zone, would would at least implicitly 
be imposed on the governments of Syria and the air, and the, the air assets that Russia has put in Syria. Now, um, Russia is not going to allow um, the United Nations to bless any kind of safe zone or no-fly zone. Um, I, at least I, that's how I would. That's what I would predict. Um, and so, uh, the absence of a, in the absence of a ceasefire, this would have to be something that the United States and its allies in the region try to impose. That 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 that's one of the reasons that I'm a little bit skeptical of this happening. Um, President Obama has shown absolutely no inclination to go down this road. None. He's shown no inclination to try to do a no-fly zone, in part because of what I mentioned before, which is that you'd have to have the planes to defend it, the ground troops to defend it, the uh, equipment and personnel to retrieve any downed pilots. Um, and, and so that would, be, that would be a fairly sizable step um, of, uh, of mission creep. I, I want to know, you know, when you would write a piece, you, you obviously you want to get a story out and you have a story that you're telling with this. And, 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 you know, we have less than a minute. What's the main thing you want people to take away from this, Olivier? <laughs> On a story like this, um, it's, it's be aware of unintended consequences. Be aware that uh, be aware that military force always comes. There's, it's never clean. It's never neat. It's never tidy. There are always some some downstream effects. Now they can be greater or lesser, but just please be aware um, that that uh, that every action like this has a lot of unintended consequences. And be skeptical of your political and military leadership. Thank you, Olivier. Very well said. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Look forward to having you back. Have a good rest of the week. Olivier Knox, Chief Washington Correspondent for Yahoo News. He co-hosts Top Line, a Yahoo News ABC News original program. And you can follow him on Twitter at Onox, O-K-N-O-X. The website for Yahoo, where you can read all his great pieces, is news.yahoo.com.